We're talking about how to be led by the Spirit of God. We've been laying a foundation. We're going to do that more today. So go ahead and open your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. John chapter 14 is where we're going to go. John chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 16. We're going to go a little deeper into this because without a foundation, we really can't go very far. And here's the thing. This is the really cool thing. The Holy Spirit will meet you right where you are. He, know, he knows where you are this morning. If you're struggling, if you're, if you're facing something, just whatever is going on in your life, he knows right where you are. He knows right where you need to go, and he knows how to get you there. You know, we, as, as children of God, we walk, we walk by the faith of God. Well, he will lead us into that. You can't even be in faith without hearing the word of God. Well, he reveals the word of God to you. He teaches you the word of God. Today, I'm standing in the office of a pastor, in the office of a teacher. The gifts inside of me are given to me by God to equip you to go do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ would be built up and edified. And don't think during this season of a virus, don't see, this is not a time where we slow down in our contact with people. No, this is where we accelerate because we understand that in this world, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be things that are going to attempt to pull your eyes off the Lord. But here's the difference. When you don't know God, like so many do, fear level just rises. Hopelessness abounds. And we are to be Jesus to our world. And the Holy Spirit will help us. Amen? So one thing about the Holy Spirit, he's for you. He loves you. I mean, as we talk about some of these Greek words, it's amazing. He is so excited to talk to you about things. Do you know, he'll say some things to you as an individual that he'll never say to anybody else. It's unique to you. Isn't that amazing? So he is not some woo-woo thing. He is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you're born again today, if you have invited Jesus to be your Lord, he's in you. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is subsequent to salvation, he is upon you. And I'm telling you, he will be, he'll make up the difference in every area of your life. So Jesus, in his last interaction with the disciples, said some things in the Gospel of John. He is talking to them right before he's going to go to the cross. He's, he's, he's literally talking to them right before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's taken and then crucified and redeems us. So these are pretty important statements. These guys have lived with him for three years, a little over three years. He's been there everything. Uh, we, we can know that, right? See, the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So if you want to know how Jesus led his disciples, 
You could look at the Gospels and read those stories and the Holy Spirit will bring revelation knowledge to you and you'll know exactly how the Holy Spirit will lead you because the Holy Spirit's exactly like Jesus. It's really amazing. But look at what he said. These are guys, he is about to go away. He's, he's saying to them, guys, I'm, I'm going to redeem man. I'm going to go away and you can't come with me right now. But I'm going to have my father send you another comforter and he will abide with you forever. How long will the Holy Spirit live on the inside of you? Forever. Isn't that amazing? So John chapter 14, let's start in verse 16. It says this, Jesus speaking, and I will pray the father and he will give you another comforter. It's the Greek word, another is the Greek word allos. An allos comforter, or an allos, the Greek word for comforter is parakletos. So allos, it means one who is exactly like me. So that's why we know the Holy Spirit's just like Jesus. Comforter, another comforter, a parakletos, one who comes alongside of you to take hold together with you against everything that you face. Isn't that amazing? It's a masculine noun. It's one who comes alongside you to help you. He is our helper. Do you ever need help? We all need help, right? It says here that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. The people that don't know God, that have never been born again, they can't have the Holy Spirit because they can't see him, they can't know him. God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, came into you when you gave your life to him. And he took the spirit man that you were that was dead and separated from him, took that spirit out of you and put a brand new spirit in you. You are not a body this morning. You live in a body, right? You are not a mind. You possess a soul, which is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. But you are a spirit just like your father. Isn't that amazing? And, and God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of you. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. See, human beings are created. You can't see, if you can't see something, you can't receive it. All the blessings of God... When light comes out of the word of God, it opens up your spiritual eyes so that you can see that you're healed. You can see that you're provided for. And that's how you receive things from God. It says this, though, but you know him. Wow. Say that with me. I know, I know. The, Holy the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. He, in me. he walks with me. He comes alongside me, comes alongside me to, help me to help me every day. Every day. 
Isn't that good news? But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Isn't, isn't the word of God accurate? And shall be, because Jesus hadn't gone to heaven yet, right? Now let's go over to John chapter 15. Just one chapter later, John chapter 15 in verse 26, and we're going to see something else about him. So he's a comforter. He comes alongside to help you. He will abide with you forever. John 15, 26 says this, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall do what? Testify of me. So we learn this, now the Holy Spirit not only will live and abide with you forever, not only do you know him, not only is he your guide, but he will always testify of Jesus. Always. Well, who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. So he will always testify of God's word. He will teach you the word of God. He'll testify of the word of God always. What does the word testify mean? It literally means to bear witness. So, so the Holy Spirit will always bear witness. Whenever you might feel alone, he'll bear witness. No, no, you're a child of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Right? When you feel weak, he'll testify of Jesus. And he'll say, no, 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 you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When you face something that you don't think there's any way you could overcome it, what does he do there? He always tells you, listen, all things are possible to him who believes. He's testifying of Jesus because that's the word of God. Now let's go to John chapter 16. This scripture we talked about last week Another foundational scripture in the Gospel of John. John chapter 16 in verse 13. It says this, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. Well, we know that truth, truth is not of this world. Truth is not what you think it is. Truth comes from God. Truth is God's word. Truth is unchangeable. Truth is forever settled in heaven. Truth always will change facts. Thank God for that. And the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. It says here, For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And what will he do? He'll show you things to come. Isn't that amazing? God wants you ready for any attack that the enemy comes against your life on. He'll prepare you in advance. He'll show you things to come. Isn't that good news? So another foundational scripture, and we want to go a little bit deeper in this today, is Romans chapter 8 in verse 14. Romans 8 verse 14. This is a huge scripture. It says 
in verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, if you're a child of God today, you can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. What's really awesome about that is this. This word led, and you've heard me say this many times before. You've, heard, you've seen me wrap ropes around Edwin and Pastor Edwin and do all kinds of stuff, right? But it's a farming term. It, it's literally the Greek word ago. And it's like the Holy Spirit. It, 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 well, ago is a farming term where a guy would wrap a rope around an animal and lead, lead him to where he wanted him to go. The Holy Spirit is not a cowboy that drives you. He is the mighty Holy Spirit, and he, he woos you. He's a convincer. He leads you. So if, if you could think about your life like this, and, you'll, and when I describe it, you'll, you'll know. See, it's like he's leading you. It's like he's got a rope around your spirit, man. And he will lead you. How will he lead you by that inward witness? He, he always testifies of Jesus, so he'll open the word of God, and the word of God literally will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So let's say, like Paul said this, it just seemed right for me to go here. Or at sometimes he would say, you know, I wanted to go over here, and I started moving in this direction, but the Holy Spirit constrained me. In other words, when you're being led by the Spirit of God, it's, we call it the inward witness. It's the primary way that he leads us. If you start going a wrong direction, it just won't feel right. Down on the inside of you, you're just like, oh, this, isn't, this isn't right. Well, what that is, is he's wanting to go this way, and you're trying to go this way. Now, he'll never jerk the rope, Right, And you have to be very careful because literally he, never, he won't ever violate your will. Satan will violate your will any moment he can. But the Holy Spirit, that's why we always follow peace. That's why the walk of faith is a rest. We're not stressed out, ever. Why? Because we know he'll lead us and guide us into all the truth. It says in verse 16, if you jump down to verse 16, it tells us how. The Spirit himself, the mighty Holy Spirit himself, he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When sickness tries to attack your body, he will bear witness with your spirit. No, you, you have been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. You are my child. He'll tell you when, when depression or anxiety or fear tries to come upon you, he'll, he'll be down on the inside going, no, you're my child. I haven't given you the spirit of fear. You have the spirit of power and love and a sound mind or soundness of mind. He's always letting us know, in other words, you're never alone. It's like you have a personal trainer with you all the time that knows everything about your life because not only is he in you today, right now, but guess what? Try to wrap your brain around this one. 
He's in you tomorrow. He's in you a week from now, right now. Because he's not in time. He knows everything the enemy's ever going to come against you with. He knows your future. And he'll lead you and guide you into all the truth. So this is how the Holy Spirit leads us. In other words, every believer should expect to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because see, there's just some things that you can't know. Right? I mean, who do I marry? Where do I go to school? Right? Do I, do I go down this road today or do I go down another road today? Right? Like one time, you know, like when I'm going places, I just, I'm kind of driven, so I go. And one time I was with a guy in our church and we were going out and we're at the corner of Blondo and 144th and it's, it was late at night, probably 10, 10 o'clock at night or maybe 9.30. And so... We're at the stoplight, and the light turns green. Well, you know, when, when the light turns green, green means go, so I'm out of here, right? And I remember, for some reason, we just sat there. We sat there for about 15 seconds. I have no idea today, in the natural, why I didn't go, but it was very evident why I didn't go, because about 15 seconds later, a Prevo coach... 40-foot-long RV was going about 70 miles an hour down 144th, coming from the south, from Dodge, going north towards Maple. Had we gone, we would have been in that intersection. This is why we want to maintain a sensitivity. It's a flow. Man, it's so... It, it's, I, it's hard to explain in English... It's funny, I have, I have another language that's trying to, that, that, that describes some things right now. So I'll, but it, it's just a flow. It's a, it's a warmness to me. He just leads me. When he puts his hand on me, I could feel that. It's just like sometimes he'll just move. I asked him one time, I'm like, okay, why do I cry all the time? Every time, you see me crying, don't feel bad. I feel great, right? But it's not so easy to preach sometimes because you can't see the Bible. You can't see your notes, right? But he is so passionate. And what he told me, he said, Tony, when I lean into you with that passion, that's what that is. It affects you. It affects your physical body. It affects your emotions. Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. And he'll lead us and guide us. The Holy Spirit, he dwells in the believer, he leads the believer, and he empowers the believer. So he's there to lead you and empower you to be who you are. He'll introduce you to yourself. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit within you gives your spirit the assurance that you belong to him. How do you know you're saved? How do I know I'm saved? Oh, right now, he's just bearing witness with my spirit that he loves me and that I'm his child. If you'll notice when you choose wrong sometimes and you do a wrong behavior, boy, he's even stronger then. I love you. 
He doesn't beat you up for things. He's like, listen, forget about that. Let's go. Come on, I've got a better plan for you. Right? He's so good. Hearing from God, being led by the Spirit of God, this is why we say it's not a skill that you learn. It's not a, sense of, a set of principles that you really get under your belt. No, no, it's a sensitivity that you learn to maintain as you just allow him to minister to you and lead you and guide you all the time. This is so wonderful. But here's the thing. The thing that dulls the sensitivity, and this is where so many Christians are, because they're, they're not presenting their body a living sacrifice, they're all about themselves. And when you're all about your own plans, it will dull that sensitivity. So if you're kingdom-minded, if you seek first the kingdom of God, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll maintain a sensitivity. But if you get your eyes on your own life, now how easy is that to do? It's so easy. You get really busy, you get really focused, right? Get really distracted by 50 emails and all this stuff. There's so many ways. We walk... We have more revelation of God's word than any other, any other of our brothers or sisters have ever had in the, in, the, in the history of the church. But we also have greater distractions. We have, we have cell phones that are wonderful. They're, they're, they're smartphones. But sometimes those smartphones make us really stupid spiritually because we get into idle talk all the time instead of using it as a tool to really be able to learn and grow spiritually. Well, how do you know the Holy Spirit will guide you? He'll keep the distractions out of your life. The Holy Spirit, so this is how he does this. The Holy Spirit will impress something to your spirit. He doesn't talk to your mind. He, it's like an impression down in your spirit. He, basically what he's doing is he's enlightening you. He's bearing witness with your spirit. But then your spirit will trans, he'll, I guess, translate or transfer that impression into a thought. And then your spirit will communicate that thought to your mind. And this is why sometimes when the Holy Spirit's leading you, you'll go, is this me? This sounds a lot like me. No, no, it is you. But it's coming from him. Well, how will you know for sure? Well, here's the word of God is the, it discerns. It divides and discerns. So as you have, as your heart is full of the word, he's always going to bear witness with the word of God. So he'll impress your spirit. He'll enlighten your spirit. He'll bring revelation of God's word to your spirit. And then your spirit will transfer that into a thought and communicate it to your mind. And when that thought hits your mind, it'll start renovating your thinking. It'll lead you and guide you. We call this the inward witness. It's wonderful. So that's how it works. And he'll help you with that. The Holy Spirit never bears witness with your soul, with your mind, your will, and your emotions. He always bears witness with your spirit. Okay? So in other words, the God of heaven wants you to live from the inside. See, when you walk 
when you walk by sight, you're always con- con- just consumed with, with what's happening to you. But when you walk inwardly, when you walk by the faith of God, you're always focused on what's happening in you, not to you. Because you know you already have the victory. You don't care what it looks like. You realize the enemy that's coming against you is completely defeated. And we need to know this in the last days. This is huge. I'm telling you guys, he's preparing us to see his face. The Lord was talking to me about that all night, last night. You must learn to hear this still small voice on the inside instead of giving ear to the loud noise on the outside. And what I mean by that, it could even be symptoms in your body. Do you know symptoms in your body are on the outside? They're on the outside. They're screaming at you. I'm hurting. This is getting worse. But I got to tell you, the truth of God's word will turn that thing into victory. Healing's yours. All the blessings of God are yours. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into all of them in intimate relationship with him. You'll never have to pursue money. He'll always add it to you. It's amazing. You'll never have to pursue the blessing of God. He'll always add it to you. You can literally take your eyes off all of that and focus in on one thing. He loves me. Because he loves me, I love him. And I'm going over, not under, because I already have the victory. Hallelujah. So to hear the still small voice on the inside of you, instead of the loud noise on the outside, it's going to take diligence. It's going to take a commitment on your part to do what? To put God's word first place in your life. That's what, see, it's diligence and a commitment. But here's the really cool thing. He will help you with all of that. He'll strengthen you. He'll actually energize you. Sometimes I've got to do some things and I'm like going, Holy Spirit, I just don't, I just, this is just, I'm not looking forward to this. I don't want to do this. You know, especially like at the end of the year, I've got all the corporate things. You know, we're a church, but we're a nonprofit corporation. So we've got a corporate board. We've got reports. We've got all this stuff. I did all that in the corporate world. I just, you know, I just want to touch you, love on you, feed you, and walk in the anointing and all this other stuff. I don't want to deal with all that nonsense, right? But, but it has to be done. So I ask him, you got to energize me to do this. And it's amazing how much I get done because he energizes me. Hallelujah. If you choose to be ruled by natural reasoning, if you, what I mean by that is you're just looking and you're governing your life by the things that you see. If you choose to be ruled by natural reasoning, to be ruled by your human intellect, the Holy Spirit's not going to be able to get much over to you. So you've got to be careful with that. We're living in a time, it's really amazing how people are defining themselves as Christians. The Bible is really clear that faith without corresponding action is lifeless, it's dead. 
And you have so many people that would call themselves Christians that they've never, they're not born again because they've never put corresponding action with their faith. If you believe Jesus is Lord, then, then that faith, it, it must, see, it's not enough to believe Jesus is Lord. The Bible says the demons believe that Jesus is Lord and they tremble. Why do they tremble? Because they have, they're not acting on that. Right? So this is why it's so important. When you walk in your human intellect, natural reasoning, what it will do for you as a child of God is it creates blind spots in your life. I remember one time when I was younger that we got boxing gloves. I think I was like in, oh man, maybe eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade. And you know, I, I was already pretty tall and pretty big athlete, and uh, so we, we, me and some friends, we got these boxing gloves. I think he got them, and so we went, and there was like three or four friends, and so we're gonna, we're gonna box. And, and one of my friends was a lot shorter and a lot smaller than me, and, and he's like, okay, come on, let's do this. And I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't wanna hurt you. And he's like, come on. You know, so he's kinda doing, and I'm just, I'm not really wanting to hit him in anything, because, you know, I just didn't wanna hurt him. And, uh, and so he, he finally just goes, listen, I want you to fight me. And I'm like, okay, but if I, I, I just, I just, I'm going to just wipe you out, you know, and I don't want to do that. So here we are. What I didn't know is he had had those boxing gloves for a while and he had been training on a bag and all this other stuff. So I'm like this. And all of a sudden, he hit me right in the nose. Just bam! Well, you know what happens when you get hit in the nose? Your eyes water. You can't see anything. So, I mean, immediately, I had never boxed in my life. And I'm like, this is before I lived in dangerous neighborhoods. I was living in this little town because we were hiding from my biological father in Chicago. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, this is before I... I knew how to fight at all. And next thing I know, he hit me and I had this blind spot. I couldn't see anything. And so here he is. I mean, he's just whacking me all over the place. Finally, I just took off running. I'm like, I, I'm out, you know? And they all laughed at me. But you know, here's what it's like when you are led by the Spirit of God. You'll never get hit in the face. When you don't rely on your human intellect and natural reasoning, you'll become sensitive. You will see things so clearly. You won't have blind spots. You know, in the book of Romans, it says to Christians, it's saying, don't yield your members, your flesh, to be an instrument of unrighteousness. And that word instrument literally means a weapon. It's like, wait a minute, a born-again, spirit-filled believer who loves God with all of his heart. Yeah, but he doesn't love God with all of his flesh, right? Because, you know, we have flesh. Can literally be in a church family and yield their bodies as weapons of unrighteousness. We call it gossip. We call it judging. We call it not walking in love. I don't want to see a show of hands. We don't have to because we've all done it. Start, I'll, just, I'll just lift up my hands, right? Have you ever had God tell you, 
I had to remove you from that church because the gifts I've placed inside of you are so big and they carry with it influence. Tony, I had to remove you from that church. You were hurting that church. So don't ever think I'm preaching at you. I learned such a great lesson that day. I said, oh Lord, I'll never do that again. I didn't even know I was doing it. Why did I not even know? What was I doing? The anointing and the giftings that were within me, people were just like, wow, you know, I'm getting so much for you. I was taking credit for that. I'm like, thank you. Instead of going, hey, you know what? The reason why we're, any of us are able to do anything is because our pastor walks in the anointing and the gifting and always, why? why? Instead of, and, you know, not, I wasn't going, oh yeah, thank you, you know, I know I'm great. No, yeah, that's just not who I am. But it's, it's just not, I, was, I had a blind spot and it was because of worthlessness. So I was always trying to overcompensate. See, the blind spots are not fun. You don't ever want to have a blind spot in your life. I remember in our church in California, there was a guy, uh, Henry and Gina Tillman were in our church. Gina Tillman was Jesse Owens' granddaughter. So it was really cool when, back in the 80s, when the Olympics were in L.A., she got to carry the torch into the Coliseum. It was pretty cool. But Henry, this now, for you young people, you're going, I have no idea what he's talking about. But there, there was this guy named Mike Tyson. And this guy was a force. He was destroying everybody. I mean, I love watching them box, but it was, such, it was so frustrating because you'd spend $75 for a pay-per-view and it'd last 30 seconds, you know? Well, Henry Tillman was the only guy that had ever beat him, and Henry beat him in golden gloves and then went on to be an Olympic heavyweight champion. And so Mike Tyson, at the height of his career, gave Henry a fight. And I remember before the fight, I was watching it on pay-per-view, and... Uh, you know, Henry's just a great guy, huge guy, uh, neat guy, but he was not anywhere in the class of Mike Tyson at this time. So Mike, they were friends, and so he gave him a fight. You know, it was a very lucrative thing. And before the fight, they were showing Mike Tyson in front of a camera boxing. It, he, he was punching so fast you couldn't see it. It was just like shadows. And I, I was thinking to myself, wow. No thank you, right? And, and he did that to Henry, too. It was kind of brutal, but the, he, Henry lived but, and made a lot of money. It was good. But uh, blind spots. Why am I going into all this? Because you could have blind spots, and when you have a blind spot, you don't know it. So how you remain sensitive is by literally maintaining this sensitivity as you submit your life to the written word of God. So, here's the thing. To be spiritually strong, you have to get over yourself. And how you have to get over yourself is this. You have to stop being concerned about your image. Because when you live in a, in a life of what do you think people are going to think of me, that's not good. You're never going to get strong that way. You need to become deadened to the praise and the persecution of men. If you're not deadened to the praise of men, you'll never be deadened to the persecution of men. Now, as a pastor, I live in a great environment. You guys love and encourage me, and I love that. Don't stop. Keep sending me the cards and letters, right? 
But I can tell you, it doesn't move me. He moves me. Because if that moves me, then the persecution of men will move me as well, and I can't have that, right? So here's the thing. Most believers are not troubled because they, know, they don't know what to do. Most believers are troubled. Is be, their trouble is they know what they're supposed to do. They just don't really want to do it. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit, he will energize you to want to do it. That's part of his leading. Is this helping you today? I hope this is helping you a little bit. So let's go, let's jump off where we were last week. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. So now what we're really talking about, so that was like the, that was just like another foundation. What we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God is you must, to be led by the Spirit of God, you must be in his presence, united with him in fellowship, intimate fellowship, submitted to his word, the written word. If you're not submitted to the written word of God, he'll never really be able to move you into the revealed will of God. You know, on Wednesday nights, we're talking about how to discover God's plan and purpose for your life. Well, he can't move you into that revealed will of God if you're not submitted to the written word. There are people that are not treating their wives right or not treating their husbands right that want this huge ministry. And God can't talk to them about a ministry. All he's going to talk to them is about loving your wife, giving yourself for her, talking to the wife, honor your husband. For some people, it's like, stop lying. And you think, what? Oh, Christians don't lie. Really? Right? No, we know. But lying, gossiping, judging people, the Holy Spirit, when you're off doing some behavior that violates the written word, see, he loves you and he wants you to finish your course, so he'll have to, he's going to want to talk to you about that to get you free there, because otherwise you'll never be able to fulfill any of the revealed will of God. Does that make sense? So we walk in his presence, united with him in intimate fellowship, submitting to his word. You know, Pastor Dave, when he, took, when he was, received the offering, talked about obedience. Well, that's so important. You know, there's so many people that have cut themselves off financially because they're steeped in fear and they don't honor God in their finances. Well, what, what happens with that individual? Listen, God wants you to walk in the blessing. He's already provided you it for you. It's yours. So what the Holy Spirit will do is he will try to woo you to get in the word of God so he could bring revelation of scriptures dealing with finances. In other words, he wants to plant the word of God as a seed. Your heart is like a garden. He wants to plant some seed of his word in the area of finances into your heart, and then he'll help you to water it as you meditate on it. Pretty soon, that seed will germinate and start growing a harvest, and all of a sudden one day you'll go, oh, well, of course I should honor God in my finances. He'll never beat you up for not, right? Like in our church right now, you know, we're over 13 years old, 
whether you tithe and give offerings here or whether you never do, you'll still get all the pastoral care. You'll be treated exactly the same because it's not, it's not my job as a pastor to walk out your salvation. It's my job to love you, to live my life as an example before you, to feed you the word as the Holy Spirit directs, and to encourage you. Because the Holy Spirit would never go, hey, you know, that bucket just passed. What are you doing? You know, I just blessed you with this. You better, the first time out of every dollar. You, know, you ever notice he doesn't ever do that? He doesn't ever get down on you for stuff. You walk and you're nasty to somebody, guess what? He never convicts you of that sin. Your own spirit goes, what are you doing? That's where the conviction comes from. So he'll want to plant some seeds of the word of God that can grow a harvest so that you go from being a hearer to a doer. And that's how you overcome everything in your life. It's never by, let me, let me just cause a circumstance. You know, God doesn't do this. Okay, I'm going to cause you to lose your job because I really want to test to see if you really trust me. No, that's taught, but that's not God. How does God correct his children? He corrects us with his word. How does he do that? The Holy Spirit, he will want to plant some seeds in that area in your life, get you to start watering that seed. He'll open that seed up on the inside of you. It'll germinate, start reaping a crop, and all of a sudden, this thing that was a problem in your life is no longer a problem. All of a sudden, you're not looking at what you shouldn't look at on the internet, and you don't even have a desire to do that anymore. I mean, this is how it works. So Romans chapter 12, in verse 1 and 2, it tells us how to submit to the written word of God. And last week, we spent some time, we're just going to kind of fly through verse 1. We're going to spend some time here. It says, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Now, this word present means you present it in a spirit of sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we said last week, literally, this word reasonable service, it's the Greek word that means logic or a logical progression. In other words, it's, log it's a logical progression for you to yield your body as a living and holy sacrifice once you know something. See, it's not logical for you to say you're healed when you have sickness in your body unless you know what the word says about it. Then it, then it makes sense. Oh yeah, I am healed. Because Jesus bore it 2,000 years ago. So this Romans 12.1 is keeping multitudes of Christians from being led by the Spirit of God. They're not presenting their body a living sacrifice. I mean, how many have sat and really had somebody break that down to teach you what that even is? See, we just say things. Like, I grew up in the Baptist church. You better live holy. You better stop sinning. And here you are, you're a little kid, and you're like, yeah, okay. I, I want to. How? How? What, yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because I, you know, and, and this is why we have to break this down. We're, to be a living sacrifice, it means 
that we're going to yield our bodies as dead to sin and alive to God. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's like we walk alive as dead men. My body is dead, but I'm alive to God. I keep my body on that altar. I don't say what my flesh wants to say. I don't do what my flesh wants to do. I have to present it a living sacrifice. This is, this is the doorway into submitting to the written word of God, which is really the doorway to the Zoe life of God. It's amazing. So we're to live like we're dead. So if you know what God's word says about being dead to sin and alive to God, it will become a logical progression for you to do that. But if you don't know what the word says, it will make no sense to you. And this is where, this is where Satan is messing with believers. And they have all this behavior. They're living like somebody who doesn't know God and they're defeated like somebody who doesn't know God when all the time God is, he's right there. The victory is right there. It's literally... Uh, just this tiny little adjustment. So, let's look at this. What does the word say about yielding your body as dead to sin and alive to God? I'm so glad you asked because Romans chapter 6 tells us. It lays it out completely. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Let's look at this. Paul starts this chapter... He says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead? Now in the Greek it would read like this. How shall we that died to sin live any longer therein? Verse 3, know ye not that so many of us as we're baptized, we were immersed into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. So that's the first thing that you need to realize. We are baptized with Christ into his death. In other words, when Jesus was hanging on that cross, so were you and I. Paul said it this way, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Why could Paul finish the course of God in his life? Because he always reckoned his body dead to sin. It's a doorway. So let's go on with this, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, this is really interesting. It says, even as we are buried with Christ into his death, it says here, as Christ was raised up, so should we also. Should. Why does it say that? Because whether or not we walk in this newness of life, is up to us. 
But see, a lot of believers don't even know this. So they're just being beat up. Their flesh is ruling them. They don't even know how to overcome this. And so they're never able to submit to the written word of God, which affects their intimate fellowship and uniting with him in fellowship. And they're not walking in, in an awareness of his presence, even though he is present there. It says here, even so, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In other words, a new state of life in which the Holy Spirit places us so as to produce a new state, which is zoe, eternal life. So we see from verse 4, not only was I crucified with Christ, but now I was buried with him, and now I've been raised with him to newness of life. In, in other words, I've been raised to a brand new life. Old things are passed away, and now everything is new. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but that guy died, is gone, and you were raised to a new life. Listen, I was born naturally January 22nd of 1962, but I was born again in July of 1966. That's when the new man, I became a new man. And guess what? I'm renewed day by day, so it's always new. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, but what about all the sin you did? I can't. And what I mean by that is my spirit can't sin. But if I don't know that, I will think that my sinful behavior, which is coming because the nature in my flesh is siding with my unrenewed mind and it's taken me in a direction that my spirit man doesn't want to go, I'll think I'm horrible. And when I do that, at best, I walk in remorse. And always remorse has within it guilt, shame, condemnation, and it will always drag you back into the sin so you keep the cycle going. But if I realize, wait a minute, what I just did is not who I am, and I, and I say, oh, Father, I thank you that I was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him in baptism. I was raised to a brand new life. And now I just confess that sinful behavior that unrighteous behavior, but it didn't affect my righteous nature. And then what God does, 1 John 1, 9, he's able to just cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Well, guess what? If you, write, if you wipe off the unrighteous behavior of a Christian, guess what's left? Righteousness. Because it's who you are. So you have to know these things to be... This is... This is paramount to being led by the Spirit of God. So now verse 5. You guys doing okay? You look really serious. Is this okay this morning? We're, we're giving you something here that's going to help your life tremendously. Verse 5. For if we have been planted, that word means united together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of 
of his resurrection. In other words, number four is we were united together with him in his death and resurrection. Isn't that good news? Verse six, knowing this, this word knowing means keep this at the front of your mind, that our old man is crucified with him, with Jesus. Why? So that the body of sin might be destroyed. Now, when it says sin, it's not talking about sin behavior. It's not a verb. It's a noun. It's talking about the sin nature. My sin nature was crucified. It is, that word literally destroyed means rendered inactive, put out of business. Now that henceforth or from this time on, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So our old man is crucified with him and we have been freed. So I have to know this. I have to know that I was crucified with Christ. This is not what's going to happen in my life. Not what's going to happen in your life. This is who you are. You were crucified with him. You were buried with him in baptism. You were raised to a new life. And now sin, the sin nature, has been broken. It's been removed. It's been taken away. Your spirit man is perfect. You have to know this. If you jump down to verse 11, this is why. At the end of this thought, Paul says this. He says, likewise, or in the same way, reckon reckon ye yourself also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to do this. Reckon. That means it's 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 an accounting term. It means count it to be done. Accepting to be true in my life today what has already once and for all been done for me. So now, when I realize this is who I am, see guys, now I can know how to present my body a living and holy sacrifice. Because I've been crucified with him. I was buried with him in baptism. I was raised to a new life Now, the sin nature is gone. It has no more dominion. I'm dead to sin. So now I present, it's my logical progression. It's logical now to present my body a living and holy sacrifice. Oh, I get it. I'm alive spiritually, but I'm presenting my body as dead to sin. Isn't that, that's so simple. You make a one-time decision Notice I said it's so simple. It's not easy because Satan is a deceiver. So the fight of faith is to keep your eyes on Jesus. You make a one-time decision of this when you receive Christ and then you continue to do this daily. You yield your body by knowing who you are in Christ. And then you reckon yourself dead to sin right? And then, now, it's just my, it's my reasonable service. This is how I do this. 
I yield my body by knowing who I am in Christ. Say that with me. I yield my body by knowing who I am in Christ. And then I reckon myself, my body, to be dead to sin. This is a living sacrifice. This is how I live a sanctified life. It's a one-time decision that I live out every moment of every day of my life. And this is the game, guys. Satan will try to, he'll try to ignite your flesh to get you not living this way for the purpose of you not being a living sacrifice. Because what that does is it keeps you from submitting to the written word of God. It keeps you from having this intimate fellowship that God longs to have with you every moment of every day of your life. And it keeps you from an awareness of knowing that he's with me. God wants you to know he's with you. He's for you. Now, Romans 12, 2, I was hoping to get there today. But Romans 12, 2 will tell us how. How do we do this? You have to renew your mind with the word of God. And we'll talk about that next week. Amen.